welcome to The Weekend Booktopian, our podcast about all things book news and the books that we are reading and enjoying. I'm Nick Wasiliev, the social media specialist, and I'm joined today by our brand and content manager, Mark Harding. Hello, Mark. Hello, Nick. How are you? I'm very good, thank you. Our affiliate marketing manager, Arthur Malkin. Hello, Arthur. Hi, Nick. And joining us live from the UK at 6am, uh, we're delighted to have him here, Nick um, Nick Coveney, the Publisher, Relations and Content Manager for Kobo. Hello, Nick. Hi, guys. So, as with all episodes, uh, we'll be kicking off by diving into the world of book news and then discussing the books that we have been reading and enjoying And then we'll be sure to stick around uh, to the very end where all of my guests will go head-to-head in a battle for book supremacy that we like to call Book Fight. So the book news this week and the big major news point is the announcement of the Australian Book Industry Shortlist, which has uh, recently been dropped earlier this week. Mark, can you give us some background uh, on this shortlist and tell us what books you think are worth paying attention to? Sure. And I just wanted to establish at the beginning of this podcast that since we have two Nicks, I'm going to refer to you as Nicholas. Um, <laughs> and I'll just sound a little bit disapproving when I say your name, Nicholas. Um, <laughs> so I know I'm in trouble. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so the Australian Book Industry Awards uh, come around uh, around this time every year uh, and they recognize the best in um, Australian uh, publishing for the past 12 months. There's lots and lots of different uh, categories that are awarded. And I think for the purposes of this discussion, which will be brief, uh, we should just uh, talk about one or two. Uh, so the one that I wanted to pull out um, first and foremost is the general fiction book of the year, which is going to be presented by Booktopia uh, this oh, year. Yes. Because we are a major sponsor of the of the Arbias. Uh, so the, um, the shortlist for general fiction book of the year, um, you'll recognize all of these titles, I hope, but um, The Dictionary of Lost Words by Pip Williams, um, The Godmothers by Monica McInerney, uh, The Good Turn by Devlin McTiernan, The Morbids by Eva Ramsey, and The Survivors by Jane Harper. Uh, mm, pretty much list. all of those authors are very good friends of us here at Booktopia, and I think most of them came in to visit us in the last yes. 12 months uh, to sign books and to record podcasts. Uh, so if you want to learn any more about those books, then please do head over to our podcast page and our blog where you'll find lots and lots of, um, of information about them and also just like buy them because they're all really, really um, amazing books. I think um, uh, in terms of, you know, who, who would be a worthy winner, it's really difficult to, to choose out of, out of all of those. Um, I, I know that many people here loved The Good Turn and loved The Survivors and uh, Jane Harper is obviously a super well-regarded a crime author who just has this very solid track record uh, in terms of what of what she writes, and you know I, I know that we loved all those books, so it's going to be hard to choose a winner. But anybody who wins uh, will be uh, a very worthy worthy recipient. Um, and then I also wanted to talk about the general nonfiction book of the year, which is being presented by a copyright agency, not us, but still uh, general nonfiction. <laughs> I think it's worth worth just touching on some of these books. So uh, Phosphorescence uh, by Julia Baird, which was a massive, massive, massive bestseller over the past 12 months. It was something that came out kind of just as COVID was starting to hit and was very appropriately tied into the themes that COVID kind of brought up for people. Uh, the subtitle of this book is on awe, wonder, and things that sustain you when the world goes dark. Uh, again, we had several chats with Julia. We recorded a podcast with her and we did a, um, a Facebook Live event with her. Uh, and 
that is just a book that has really resonated with people over the past 12 months. Uh, then there's also The Golden Maze, A Biography of Prague by Richard Feidler, uh, The Space Between by Michelle Andrews and Zara McDonald, uh, Australian Favourite Book Award winning book, Uncook Yourself, A Rat Bag's Rules for Life by <laughs> Nats What I Reckon. So the Favourite Australian Book Award, for those of you who aren't familiar, is the Booktopia Award that we run uh, every year, which is based on um, votes from the public to choose their favourite book of the year. And the Australian public chose uh, Nats What I Reckon as the the person whose book really resonated with them uh, this year. And the last book that's nominating that category is Women and Leadership by former Australian Prime Minister uh, Julia Gillard and Ngozi Okonjo-Iweala. Uh, and uh, that is also a very amazing, worthy book that really struck um, a chord with a lot of people last year. Uh, so those are the two the the two um, uh, genres that I wanted to kind of pull out. There's uh, kids books, uh, there's illustrated books, there's the international book of the year, there's literary fiction book of the year, small publishers adult book of the year. It just goes on and on. So there's lots and lots of um, of nominations, and we will um, be bringing you news of the winners uh, after the 28th of April, which is the date that the awards are announced. Uh, they're being announced as part of the Sydney Writers Festival. Uh, and if you're listening to this prior to that, I believe you can actually go online and buy tickets to attend uh, mm. the awards ceremony if you want to. Yes, indeed. It goes to show how many fantastic books there were last year with, uh, with some of the shortlists of the books that have made it. Um, Arthur, I know that you've had a, a quick chance to have a look um, at these shortlists as well. Are there any other categories that have taken your interest? Um, yeah, I mean, international categories probably one of the big ones for me. Um, I read A Promised Land by Barack Obama, so mm. hoping he pulls through there, but I think he's got to run for his money with Matthew McConaughey because Greenlights was <laughs> really good from what I hear. I've still got that one on my pile of books that <laughs> that is ever-growing. <laughs> yeah, so the full list of the international shortlist is um, A Promised Land by Barack Obama, Greenlights by Matthew McConaughey, Otolenghi Flavor um, by Yotamoko Otolenghi, Such a Fun Age by Kylie Reid, and Women Don't Owe You Pretty by Florence Given. And I would love to see a Barack Obama, Matthew McConaughey smackdown. Yeah, agreed. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's it's that's a fan. That's going to be a very fascinating uh, category to watch. Um, Just this, just not only that, just the variety of different types of books that have caught the attention of people. All the categories just are really stacked with such great. I can't pick a winner in any of these. It could go to any uh, any one of them. I'm just looking at them. Unbelievable, the kids' ones especially. Um, <laughs> Finding Our Heart, Hollow Pox for Book of the Year for Younger Children, Illustrating Encyclopedia of the Dangerous. I, I can't pick a winner there. These are all great <laughs> titles. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's going to be an interesting uh, award ceremony to watch uh, when it when it happens later this month. Um, so for our listeners, uh, if you want to check out and see the shortlist for yourself, head to a our blog post on the RBA shortlist, which I will link down in the description box uh, for this podcast. But now it is time to dive into the books that we are reading and enjoying currently. And I'm going to throw to you first, Nick, casting out over the <laughs> airwaves. Um, what have you been uh, enjoying in your neck of the woods? Um, so the last book I read and greatly enjoyed uh, is called The Second Bell, okay. um, which is a new, um, sort of recently published in March um, fantasy debut um and it's kind of inspired by slavic myth um so it was a bit different for me but i really enjoyed it what what's uh, what was kind of the main themes and stories about it was it because i know there's a lot of a lot of kind of those fantasy based books that you see often that are kind of currently 
doing the rounds right now. Was it what kind of what what's what was the key story of what it's about? Um, so it's it's really about motherhood and family, uh, and also like society and its acceptance of outcasts or um, lack of acceptance for outcasts. Mm. So um, <laughs> I wasn't aware of um, the trigger mythology too much before reading it, but um, apparently in Poland and a few other Eastern European countries, there's this myth of um, a strigger, which is uh, someone born with uh, a demon in their heart, like a, a second soul or uh, an inner monster. And in this universe, um, striggers are kind of like widely acknowledged. And when a strigger is born, the mother has two choices, either allow the child to be destroyed um, or leave in exile and try and raise it on their own outside the safety of society. Um, And it's really, really well written. Uh, It's very moving and compelling, but it's kind of about um, a mother who makes that choice to um, leave the safety of her old life and her loved ones to raise this um, daughter who's apparently part demon and that daughter's sort of journey um, of self-discovery and uh, trying to sort of, you know, resolve her inner darkness against herself. It's really, really well done. I think that that really sounds like it's very, um, uh, uh, what's the word I'm thinking of? I've forgotten the word. It's very relevant to a yeah. lot of people, I think. It sounds like, um, you know, the idea of uh, being kind of shunned for who you are and then having to, like, grapple with what that is. Um, you know, I think that that probably mirrors the journey that many people uh, who are from kind of uh, minority communities probably go through. Yeah, and I certainly, um, you know, as a, a queer man reading it, thought that there were parallels you could quite easily draw. Um, in terms of, you know, like intolerant societies and um, when people allow their religious beliefs, because that's effectively what it comes down to, mm. uh, that, you know, the superstitions and fears of the locals have all been embedded over centuries. Yeah, I've, yeah I've, I would recommend it. Yeah, I've, I've, I've actually pulled that up on the Booktopia website and I'm just reading the, the description. And I like it, it says, your only chance of survival is to tap into your dark potential. Would you do it? And like, as, as, uh, as a fellow queer man, like, you know, you spend a lot of time tapping into that dark potential to try and, you know, uh, realize who you, who you are and kind of live, live, a, live a life where you can survive. Um, yeah, it sounds really great. Um, the other book, and you're going to notice a theme uh, that we've had that <laughs> conversation, but the other book I read recently is um, Swimming in the Dark. Oh, yes. I don't know if any of you guys have read that. It sounds, it sounds, Brilliant. F- um, it sounds familiar. It's, a, it's by um, Thomas Jedrowski. I've probably mispronounced his name, unfortunately, uh, who's a, a Polish author. And it's, it's about um, uh, it's a, it's a queer love story. Um, of these two men um, having their kind of first romance under the yoke of communist Poland. Um, it's really, really compelling. It's quite short and it's um, quite sort of literary, um, but basically it follows the journey of um, Ludwig, who's sent off to um, an agricultural camp as part of completing his university studies. Um, and there he meets this um, other young man and 
um, the two of them kind of forge an unlikely relationship um, and are being sort of tugged in two very, very different directions. And again, I just thought it was really interesting um, to, to read all of that. But also, sadly, in Poland at the moment, there's, there's been a bit of uh, an increase in terms of um, antagonism towards the LGBT community. I don't know if, um, if you guys mm. have heard of it, but actually in, in Poland they have uh, no LGBT zones. So they have regions within Poland where they have said it is illegal <laughs> to be LGBT um, and they effectively banned it uh, in a, a number of different cities. And it, it's really, you know, kind of shocking to, to read this book and realise that it's set in, you know, the 1980s and there's all this incredible progress that came in the 90s and you know the, the the kind of unification as it were of poland joining the eu and supposedly becoming a more liberal place and now it seems to be kind of like rushing backwards mm, yeah it's, it sounds very very timely particularly i think it got, it got did it get shortlisted for a few awards uh I th- it I think, did yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, um, i was just going to say i think it uh, was shortlisted for the Guardian Book of the Year last year. Oh wow! Yeah, that's, in fact, that's... I think it won. It won that. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, it's I'm half asleep. So. <laughs> no, that's okay. <laughs> um, it sounds a little bit reminiscent of um, uh, "Lie with Me" by Philip Besson. That um, I think that that was a, a kind of literary short literary love story set in the '80s by a French author that, that won some awards a few years ago. Have you read that one? I've not read that one. Oh. I've not read that one yet myself, but I do want to know you've mentioned it. Yeah, it's really good. <laughs> I think that the the other book I've read, well, reread most recently was <laughs> Secret Commonwealth, but that's very much my kind of um, go-to escapism bullshit. I, I will just revert to his <laughs> materials if left to my own devices. I will go straight back to, to that universe. So, um, yeah, it's, it's slightly less timely than the other two in terms of that it was published a couple of years ago, but I'm eagerly awaiting the uh, the new conclusion of the His Dark Materials universe when the uh, sixth book in the series is due out soon. So that will be great. Yeah, I, th- I think it's, you know, after grappling with, like, kind of what's going on in Poland and reading a book like that, I think, um, yeah, you deserve a bit of an escape, right? <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I think so, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for some amazing, amazing book recommendations. It makes me want to, to. It's another one to add to be added yet again to the to the to be read pile. Um, always hearing about these these new books and new perspectives. Thank you so much, Nick. Um, My pleasure. I will throw now over to Arthur, who is waiting with bated breath to talk to tell us about his books. What have you been uh, reading over the last few weeks? So um, over the last few weeks, I've read two books um, about the same topic. So uh, as you might be aware, the musical Hamilton recently opened in Sydney. No, no way. (laughs) Tiny, tiny little thing. Tiny thing. Barely anyone's talking about it. So um, I've been reading the companion book um, for the musical, so Hamilton the Revolution. Oh, wow. Which is... um, Basically, just a companion piece to the musical gives you a lot of behind-the-scenes um, insights into how the musical was put together, some of the casting process for the original Broadway cast. Uh, so for, for those that are aware, um, uh, Hamilton 
the musical is is uh, a musical on the life of Alexander Hamilton, who was one of the founding fathers of America, um, and also the first uh, United States Secretary Treasury. Uh, sorry, tr- Secretary for Treasury. I always stumble with that. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, um, and it's uh, was written by Lin Manuel Miranda, and the music is um, a blend of R and B and hip hop. It's got really amazing diverse cast um the you know for a a story that is set you know hundreds of years ago and all the characters are white old mostly old white people because that's (laughs) that's what they were (laughs) so it's really refreshing to see a story um yeah so i you know i loved seeing that on disney plus so i wanted to read up more about it and the book just gives you such great insights into um how it all came together um, some anecdotes about all the songs and you know how they were formed, what Lynn was thinking, and um, yeah, it's really great. Uh, one of the first instances of the whole play coming together was um, back in two thousand and nine, um, and I only learned this by reading the book. Lynn um, did a performance of what would go on to be the opening number of the of the musical uh, in front of Barack Obama. So Barack Obama at the White House was hosting a um, uh, what was it? It's like a you know those poetry jam sessions. Yeah. It's like a yeah. correspondence yeah. dinner. Yeah, something. it was something like was, was it like a, a poetry jam? And um, he performed and he came out and said, you know, I've I'm working on something about the life of Alexander Hamilton, um, who I think embodies hip hop. And everyone everyone laughed at him. Basically, you can actually go back and see this on mm. YouTube. I, I didn't know this existed until I read the book, and then I went and saw it. It's amazing. And he just come you know wraps out that. Um, which ends up becoming the opening number. So there's a few slight variants to what eventually became the opening number, but it's almost word for word. And it's just amazing thinking he had that in his head all those years ago. And then, um, you know, eventually it came to fruition back in 2015. Wow. Do, do you hear a lot? So does, so is it all Lin-Manuel talking about just talking from like straight from the horse's mouth, so to speak, in terms of the Yeah, so book? it's um, co-written by Jeremy um, Makata. So I think Jeremy's the one who does... Um, is mostly doing the anecdotes about the musical and stuff that Lynn Manuel has told him, and then there's um, Lynn's notes. He's got notes on um, all the lyrics. So every he's for all the songs, he's got a, a little note about how it came together. So, for example, one of the songs um, he got an idea from it from a conversation with Hugh Laurie, which mm. uh, back when he was guest starring on House, so again, many years ago, he has all these ideas and he just writes them down and then eventually they form part of what um, eventually became the story. It's really amazing. Big, big question. Do you do you have tickets to go see the, the show here? <laughs> yeah, I do, but not till October. <laughs> I have to oh, really? <laughs> eager anticipation, but yeah, looking forward to it. I've been watching it on Disney Plus at least once a month um, since that became available so yeah it's so eager good. anticipation <laughs> i've got I'm, I'm going the first week of may so oh, i can't very wait exciting. very soon yeah, yeah. Mm. well i'll try not to go into too much spoilers then <laughs> i've watched it on disney plus oh, awesome. of course fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> fantastic but then again it is it is based in history so you know people have had 200 years to learn <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think the statute of limitations yeah, on spoilers up, yeah. has expired <laughs> <laughs> which then leads into um, my second book so obviously being a fan of the play and the story and the man himself. Um, I read the biography that the play itself, uh, the musical, is based on. So it's based on the book Alexander Hamilton by Ron Chernow. So mm. um, that was the book that Lin Manuel was reading when he decided he wanted to do the musical about Hamilton. And 
um, yeah, it's really good to get even more of an insight on the man himself because, um, you know, musicals, as all creative art does, takes a little bit of liberties with his life. So it's good to mm. um, read up and find out more about him and his upbringing and what he really had to go through to get to where he where he came from. I mean, he's in he was an immigrant who came to America. I mean, think of that, a founding father of America as an immigrant. It's, mm. you know, it's sometimes... They like to pretend that um, immigrants don't make a difference in that country, but they they really do. It's <laughs> <laughs> amazing. I love that, I love that you've been on like a kick. There's a theme. Yeah. <laughs> There's a theme to a, to the particular books that you've been reading over the last few weeks. Absolutely. <laughs> Thank you so much, Arthur. I love those. And it um, makes me now excited for Hamilton because I'm also going to see it in June. I'm oh, so <laughs> jealous. I'm so like, can't wait. Um, lastly, I shall turn to you, Mark. Um, what have you been enjoying? Okay, so <laughs> I I don't have a horror book to talk about what? this time. I know. <gasps> I always usually I'm reading horror. Maybe I'm in a better mood um, this month. <laughs> so for, for context, Nick, it's it's a guarantee that Mark always, without fail, will pick something either horror-related or Stephen King-related and will bring it to every single show that he's in. <laughs> Well, I'm very pleased. <laughs> I'm very pleased to um, to disappoint you. Nick. Um, so, okay. Well, as someone who used to work on Stephen King's books, I find that very disappointing that I missed the <laughs> to talk about Stephen King. But I'll, I'll let you off. Well, in the last episode, I talked about later, which is his latest book. So I'm all caught up now. So I have to wait for the next one. Great. Um, but the, the first thing I wanted to talk about uh, is uh, a book that I've just started reading. I've gone back to a bit of a classic series that I want to revisit for myself, and that series is The Culture by Ian M. Banks. Uh, so if anybody is familiar with this kind of 10-book science fiction masterwork uh, from Ian M. Banks, who was a wonderful writer who sadly passed away a number of years ago, uh, he wrote um, a series of books. They're very high-concept science fiction set in a world uh, or in a universe uh, where there's this, uh, it's a post-scarcity society. So everybody has plenty and technology can do anything. Um, and uh, it is about this society called the culture, which is kind of the pinnacle of kind of like a utopian society spread throughout the galaxy. Uh, and each book kind of takes uh, different characters uh, and puts them in situations where things come that could disrupt utopian, uh, the utopian kind of uh, uh, vision of, of the culture, or they encounter things that are outside of their kind of understanding and then have to kind of grapple with the implications of what it means for the culture. So there's 10 books in the series. I've just started uh, book two, which is The Player of Games. Um, so I'm only a few pages into that, so I won't talk too, too deeply about that one. Um, but um, there's some really amazing books in this series, uh, including... I highly recommend Use of Weapons and Accession. Uh, you don't need to read these books in order. You can just read mm. them kind of whenever, you, like w whatever kind of story tickles your fancy, you can you can pick up and read. Uh, and it's, uh, it's, it's such a wonderful series and it's such a shame that uh, Ian M. Banks uh, passed away before he could kind of deliver even more because he got up to, I think, book 10 in 2012 and then um, passed away not too long after that. Um, but, you know, he was writing about one every two years or so. Uh, and his vision of what the future could be like is just incredible. The One of the concepts that I love from these books is the idea that the ships that people travel around the galaxy in are sentient. And there are books in this series that are told from the perspective of the spacecraft. Uh, and they 
these spacecraft live for centuries, millennia. They they just exist through the, through the galaxy, and they be, they form friendships with the people who live in them. Uh, and it's and and they can kind of remake themselves into anything. You can live in a castle or or like on a boat on the ocean inside these ships. Um, and it's just this wonderful work of imagination where kind of anything is possible. Uh, so I wanted to just you know kind of say that I'm revisiting the culture. And if you haven't ever read this series. It's it's a really wonderful science fiction series to read because it's optimistic, and I think we really need some optimistic escapism <laughs> in this day and age. Uh, so yeah, the culture uh, highly recommended. Uh, and then the the next one I want to talk about is a series that I've actually been reading recently, um, which is from a few years ago. Uh, it's a historical fiction series by Robert Harris. Um, there's three books in it. There's Imperium, Lustrum, and Dictator, and they tell the life of Cicero. Um, and they're sent set in ancient Rome. Um, and Cicero was one of the people who was kind of instrumental around the time of Julius Caesar um, and the fall of the Roman Republic and um, kind of the transformation into kind of the, the empire uh, that it became. Um, and what I liked about these books is that um, they're very, very accessible. Uh, oftentimes, I think books about ancient Rome can be very, very dense. I actually studied it for a little while at university, and it can be very dense, and it can be very kind of dull and dry. But uh, because uh, Robert Harris really brings the character of Cicero to life as a person with deep flaws and great ambition and wonderful interpersonal relationships. Uh, he's kind of the central figure in the books, but the narrator of the books is actually his uh, slave, who was a man by the name of Tyro, who actually did exist in ancient Rome and was the person who invented shorthand. Uh, so it's about you know Cicero's life as seen through Tyro's eyes, and they are just witness to these huge events uh, in in ancient history. Um, you know, including the assassination of of Julius Caesar. Spoiler alert. Um, <laughs> and, that, that's an old spoiler at this point. How many? <laughs> you know, and the rise of, of characters like Mark Antony. Um, so it's uh, <laughs> yeah, I really recommend that series. Um, I actually have been listening to the audiobooks of them on my drive to and from work uh, over the past few weeks. So I'm almost finished the last audiobook, uh, which is dictator so i don't know what i'm going to do after this because like i've loved being in ancient rome again it's a really great escape and eerily reminiscent of the times that we're living in where you have this great republic that is starting to fray at the seams and then an opportunistic person with fascistic tendencies comes along and kind of exploits some of the cracks that are appearing i don't know what i could be drawing parallels to here but uh yeah um, so yeah, those books, those, those books, um, I think the last one came out in 2015. Uh, so yeah, uh, they're, uh, widely available and, um, yeah, I, I really loved, I really loved them. And Robert Harris was an author I hadn't really engaged with before and he's written tons of, um, of historical fiction books. So I might go on a bit of a historical fiction, uh, thing now and, and engage with more Robert Harris. Amazing. I'm loving where your mind's at now. <laughs> Suddenly just like divings from straight out of the world of horrors into the world of historical fiction. Yeah, no, nobody got um, murdered by a rat in <laughs> any of the books that I've been reading since I was last on. So there you go. I'm gonna I mean, don't it. rule it out with historical fiction. There was some dark, dark times. Yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> Um, thank you so much, Mark. I love these, and I'm now. And if you're on a historical fiction kick, I'm now going to almost miss our our routine. Oh, weekly. don't worry. It'll be bad. I'll, I'll I will be talking about horror again. This is <laughs> this is a blip. This is an outlier. A yeah. momentary blip. Yeah. <laughs> um. So we are now at the time of the episode that. 
where everyone dusts off their gloves. Um, expletives have been thrown, friendships have been broken, and book trivia has been known. It is time for book fight. <laughs> ding ding. <laughs> um, so uh, to give you some context, Nick, we we do our questions and then we throw a buzzer in there. But the buzzer is a word of your choice that you then shout out across the ether. So uh, I'll get everyone now to pick what their word buzzer shall be. And I'll ask you first, Nick, what shall your buzzer be for our quiz? Too early to be asking me that. Um, I'll just go for wham. Wham, yes. I love it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's a great one. I love that. That's it. That's it. That's like I can just imagine. I'm imagining now like a wham, like wham going crazy. Um, Arthur, what shall yours be? I will go with burr to keep in my favorite choices. Burr, I like it. <laughs> I would have gone Hamilton, but it's too long. <laughs> yeah, you don't want too many syllables. Yeah, yeah when you need to shout it out really loudly. <laughs> um, and Mark, what shall yours be? Uh, Caesar. Caesar, I like it. Awesome. All right, everyone, let's dust off our gloves and play book fight. Question one. For two points, I'm going to tell you two truths and a lie about some author called Philip K. Dick. You have to try and determine which is the lie. He became the first ever science fiction writer to be included in the Library of America series. He was never a fan of Blade Runner. The Philip K. Dick Award, a science fiction award that annually recognises the previous year's science fiction paperback original, began one year after his death. Caesar. Yeah. Um, so we'd have to identify the lie. You have to identify the lie. Uh, I'm going to go with that he was never a flan of a flan of <laughs> never a fan of Blade Runner. And you would be. <laughs> And uh, you would be absolutely correct, Mark. Yes. Two points to Mark. Yes, it is true. He, he did get to see the film um, before release, stating that it was, quote, a life and creative work that is justified and completed by Blade Runner. His, his work, rather. Though, they, though both Ridley Scott and him have differing views on that conversation, Dick remained a supporter of the film, and the, but he unfortunately died four months before its, pre, its, uh, its release. Um, but all the other ones are true. It was a very high-achieving man, Philip K. Dick. Question two. This this question worked really really well last week, so I'm very curious how it's going to go this week against uh, with you guys. I'm going to replace the opening lines of famous novels using words related to a recent meme. You have to try and guess what the famous novel is. One point each. First one. Call me Bernie. Uh, 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 Cicero, Cicero, Caesar, Caesar, that's my word. Oh, yeah. um, that would be, um, uh, that would be Moby Dick. It would indeed be and Moby the, Dick. It would be the Bernie, Bernie Sanders. It is the Bernie Sanders uh, meme. We're not giving points for the, for the meme, but it's, I'm glad you were able to see through the chat. <laughs> but yes, the actual line is call me Ishmael. Uh, from Moby, from Moby Dick. You know, you know why I got flustered? Because I was thinking of call me maybe. <laughs> I'm glad I wasn't alone on that one. Yeah. <laughs> um, number two. All children except Bernie grow up. Peter, oh, sorry, wham. Yep. 
Yes, Peter Pan, I think. Yes, it, you are it absolutely correct. Yes, <laughs> it is Peter Pan. Well done. Yes. So yeah, Thank the, you. The, uh, the line is, yeah, the normal line is all children except one grow up. So yeah, Peter Pan by J.M. Barry. And the last one, number three. There was no possibility of Bernie taking off his mittens that day. Do I have any takers? There was no possibility of Bernie taking off his mittens that day. <laughs> I mean, I assume mittens has replaced another yeah, word as yes, well. Yes, yeah. there is. Uh, yes, so Bernie and mittens have replaced something. <laughs> no, nah, I don't know. Got no idea? <laughs> You're just thinking about the meme? <laughs> I'm thinking about Carly Rae Jepsen, if I'm honest. <laughs> <laughs> Glad to <laughs> um, Arthur, you got any? You got any? None, none whatsoever. <laughs> Nick, do you have a want to have want to have a punt? I have absolutely no idea because <laughs> the men's thing is really throwing me. <laughs> what, what else are they taking off? <laughs> that, you know. <laughs> the answer is Bront, uh, Jane Eyre by Bronte by Charlotte Bronte. There's no possibility of taking a walk that day. Is the is the uh, is the opening line. Come on, guys. <laughs> I love doing that. <laughs> Question three. In Charles Dickens' Oliver Twist, Oliver famously says, please, sir, I want some more. What food does he want? Burr. Burr, yes. Uh, oh, sorry, we've got a, we're sorry, burr beat, beat wham. What have we got, Arthur? It's like porridge or gruel or something like gruel that. Gruel is, yeah. is the one I was looking for, <laughs> correct. <laughs> Nicely done. Question four, and I am so curious to see who is going to get this one first. In Stephen King's 11 63 a high school English teacher hurdles back in time to 1963 and attempts to stop what monumental Burr event? Season. Oh my God, wow. we have Burr! <laughs> he tries to stop the assassination of JFK. Yes, correct. <laughs> Wow. This is my best performance ever. <laughs> <laughs> you were like on that. I just could see you leaning forward. Wow. I was expecting. Have you read that, Arthur? I, I just know that particular oh, moment okay. in history. <laughs> I'm aware of the story, though, yeah. <laughs> I was expecting I'm, either. I'm curious because I worked on the audiobook for that title. <laughs> 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 Ready and prone, but I think there's a lag. I'm going to call Home Advantage. I think, you know, to. Well, rest assured, Nick, you have plenty of uh, plenty of time to come back at the moment as we head into question five. Currently, Mark is on three points, Arthur is on two, and Nick is on one. So it is still a very close game. Question five: Sir Arthur Conan Doyle's famous character Sherlock Holmes made his first appearance appearance with which which uh, with which novel? Caesar. Yes. Study in Scarlet. Yes, well done. Very good. Study in Scarlet was Sherlock Holmes' first appearance in print. It took me forever to get it out, but it's true. <laughs> <laughs> Question six. And this one, because I'm deciding it on the fly to make this game more interesting, uh, is for two points. How many acts are there in Romeo and Juliet? Caesar. Yep. Five. One. Oh, I'm so sorry. The, the advantage has slowed you down there. The answer is, in fact, five. Well done, Mark. <laughs> oh. 
I reckon you should. I reckon you should give Nick a, a couple of points as a handicap. Yeah, because he was coming yeah. in. He's coming in. He's coming in hot with these, but there he is a lag. Yeah. There is a lag. I'm sorry about the lag, Nick. We'll give you. A, we'll give you some points for that as well. <laughs> so finally, we bring us. The, it brings us to our final question of uh, of book fight. Currently, Mark is on uh, six points. Arthur is on two. Nick is on two, and. If if I win, I'm going to be insufferable. I just want that on the record now. <laughs> <laughs> like I say, explore the throne. There are so many. There are so many shattered egos and inflated egos. Like there was egos. any risk of that? <laughs> <laughs> it's literally bragging rights in the office for who wins. For who wins book fight? Um, question seven. Our final question. Victor Hugo famously wrote The Hunchback of Notre Dame. What was his other famous book? Uh, yep. One. Oh, yep. Uh, is it Les Miserables? <laughs> it is Les Miserables. I'm so sorry, Nick. You keep getting hit with the delay. God damn. <laughs> would you Would you have said Les Miserables as well? I definitely would have, yeah. Well, I'll give you a point for that as well as a result. <laughs> You'll both get a point oh, each for that. <laughs> I'm so sorry that the, uh, that the, that the, the, the delay seems to be affecting the, uh, the final, <laughs> your final buzzer going off, but... Uh, fortunately, that brings us to the end of Book Fight, and we have the points here. Oh my goodness gracious me. Both Nick and Arthur tie for second place with three points each. Um, but Mark finally reclaims his much, much illustrious book title title with six points. Congratulations, Mark. I mean, it's not my best score, but I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's mine, so I'm going to be the one bragging today. <laughs> I'll never hear the end of it from you after this. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, and that will bring us to the end of the Weekend Booktopian for another week. So thank you to my guests for joining us and be sure to check out all the books that we have mentioned today down in the description box. Thanks especially to Nick for coming on the podcast early in the morning UK time. Uh, it's been a joy having you on, mate. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. Um, also, be sure to check out a wide variety of ebook selections right now on Kobo as well. And of course, head to booktopia.com.au to get your books uh, here in Australia. And, and don't forget, um, don't forget the ebooks and audiobooks uh, on offer through the Booktopia by Rakuten Kobo app that you can get right now in the App Store. Indeed, you can. So we highly recommend if you are an ebook or an audiobook nut, get over there now and buy books like crazy because audiobooks and ebooks are awesome. The Weekend Booktopian was produced by myself, Nick Wasiliev, and you can check out hundreds of episodes on our Apple Podcasts or SoundCloud channels, including our recent interview with Jacqueline Marley, or our brand new podcast series, An Exciting New Voice, where we chat with debut authors about the process of getting manuscripts published. Also be sure to check out Booktopia TV on YouTube, or if you cannot get enough of chatting to authors, head to the Booktopian blog curated by Olivia Frico, where you can read articles that are pushed every single day, including our recent review of Second First Impressions by Sally Thorne. Thanks for listening, and never stop reading. Thank you for listening to the Booktopia podcast channel. Don't forget, you can subscribe to us on SoundCloud and iTunes for free and get access to hundreds of author discussions, book analysis pieces and more. Or, if your eyes need a workout, head to Booktopia TV on YouTube. Don't forget, for all books featured in this podcast and for access to a whole bunch of other fun content on our blog, 
head to Booktopia, Australia's local bookstore, at booktopia.com.au.